Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also have strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing, from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and in interviewing the experts to help you and your journey to success. This episode is sponsored by Bright Pearl. Bright Pearl is inviting you to discover how to win with automation at a series of free virtual events. These include a webinar with Spotify about exactly how to automate your orders and save yourself hours every week. And it's completely free. Discover more and sign up now at brightpearl.com forward slash life is short. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For anyone who hasn't tuned in before, there's a little bit of housekeeping we always do at the start of an episode of this podcast. First one is to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We post almost every Friday. The weeks where we don't post is purely because we haven't got any content or I've been on holiday or one of our guests has cancelled last minute or something. But generally speaking, posting every single Friday. Um, so again, if you hit the subscribe button, you can keep in touch with uh, all the latest news, information and free advice that we give on this podcast. There's also a second resource that I can flag to everybody that's starting to get a bit more traction, which is nice. And for anybody who's already part of it, please do get in there and start contributing. And that is our Facebook group. So it's called Winning with Shopify. It's on Facebook. I've been trying to comment on there as much as I can to all the different messages that have been popping through and obviously deleting any spam that pops up in the group itself. So if you want any help and support and advice, please do get involved in there. Feel free to post questions, to ask for bits of advice on bits and pieces. Or if you're just struggling and having a really, really bad time, I personally think it's good to go there just to plug into other questions other people have asked and to know that you're part of something bigger than just you running your store. Probably the same reason that you tune into this podcast as well. So without further ado, we're going to crack on with today's episode um, and get down, to, uh, get down to business. So today we're doing something a little bit different. And I do say that a lot at the start of podcasts. Uh, the difference this week is that I, it's just going to be me on the podcast today. I haven't got a guest with me because actually the topic I wanted to cover today, I'm quite qualified to talk about. And we're going to be following on this same theme of talking about how to grow your business with the right business support. So it's a slightly more dry topic than some of the fun social media things that we cover or SEO, PPC, how to get more customers. Because actually, all of that needs to also work in tandem with your, what I would call your back office. So that needs to work alongside things like finance and legal and HR. So last week, to kick off this series with the fantastic Ben Leonard back on the podcast for a second time, and he's going to be back in a few weeks time as well. And Ben and I spoke about how he ran a Shopify store called Beast Gear. And during Ben's time there at Beast Gear, I say time there, he's the founder of Beast Gear. Ben and I uncovered a whole load of different bits and pieces that you absolutely have to get in line to make your store a success. Things like how to sort out 
business plans, um, how to get your finance in the right place, what to do with patents, how to deal with legal disputes with customers, all this sort of stuff. Because the problem is, if you don't get these things right in the first place, you could almost derail the business before the business has really got going. So today we're going to follow on that same theme. And there are five things I want to share today or five points I'm going to make about this topic. These are five statistics or figures or numbers that I believe every Shopify store needs to know at all times. Some of these numbers you might not be able to produce or calculate or have access to today, but as long as you know what they are and you know at which point you will have access to them, then you know exactly what you're going to be doing with your growth. Um, quick disclaimer before we dive into the first one, and I'm going to be saying this a lot throughout this, uh, throughout this series, we're not giving you any legal, financial, HR, etc. advice. We're not going to be sharing specifics of saying you must do this, you must do that. These are all our opinions. These are examples based on experience, etc. So please don't sue us is, uh, is what I'm trying to say with that. So as I say, the best thing to do with any podcast you listen to, any guide you read or any bit of advice you get, digest it, work out where the value is in that recommendation for you guys and then apply it to your business. So right, we're going to go through the five need-to-know statistics. And as we go through, I'll also explain um, on some of them why you might not have access to this data today. And this first one, you may not have access to today for sure. And this first one should probably go last, I think, actually, when I put this list together. But the reason I want to put it first is because this is, this is the real kind of first big milestone I think, for any Shopify store and more specifically for any Shopify business. The first figure that you need to know is how many sales you need to make per day or per month or per week or per year. And that was a very odd order of saying that uh, per day, per week, per month, per year. How many sales you need to generate through your site for you to earn a living? This statistic was the reason that I shut down my own Shopify store a few years ago. So when Ben, my business partner, not Ben Leonard, but a different Ben, when Ben and I sat down to look at our bamboo sunglasses Shopify store that we were running, it was actually going quite well. Um, we were getting thousands of pounds worth of sales every month and our margins were around sort of 70, 80%. So it all sounds very, very healthy. And the problem is all our sales were coming through Google Shopping. And as much as Ben and I are experts in PPC and Google Shopping, we just could not get it to convert any better than it was. So we were making some money. But for Ben and I to take as a real rough number for us to take £20,000 a year each out of the business, we were actually going to have to sell, I think the number was somewhere around 500 pairs of sunglasses per day. And then the really bad news is, if we did that, we wouldn't then get £20,000 each per year out of it, which to be frank, is not a huge amount of money for running a business. But we, we weren't going to get that because at 500 pairs a day, we would have to spend so much more money on warehousing, on logistics, on customer service, and a whole heap of other things as well. And we might get some discounts, of course, at that level for stock we buy because we'll be buying it in bulk and the same with packaging. But this is where, again, having, I use the word business plan very, very loosely, having a strategy that works financially is really, really key to getting uh, any sort of success from your Shopify store. So I think if you can work out how many sales you would need to make a day to create some sort of level of profit or salary from your Shopify store or from your Shopify business, if you can work out that number, 
then at least it gives you a target. And in our case, showed that the target was so unrealistic, we were pretty much never going to reach it, which is why our store no longer exists. We did make a little bit of money towards the end. So what we actually did is we sold all of the stock and that made us a little bit of money. But what we didn't do is we didn't really make much money generating revenue on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, etc. And so that was one of the big challenges. Now, as I said earlier, the reason that you may not have access to that statistic yet is if your store is quite new and you haven't started to generate any sort of traction, you're not getting regular sales, etc., then that statistic or that figure might be unknown to you at this stage. The thing that we weren't getting, and this is part of the problem and potentially one of the solutions to it, but the two of us just didn't have the energy for this. Part of the solution to it was actually to think we've got thousands of people that have bought sunglasses from us. Should we then sell other accessories like hats, wristbands, watches, swimming trunks, you know, anything else that we could put alongside and then use email to our existing customers to try and get a second or third or fourth sale? Even when we factored that into our financial plan, it was still a mountain to climb before it was going to make any real money. So for Ben and I, it was a great test. We both work in PPC SEO. So it was a really, really interesting way of understanding what our clients were going through. But again, when we did the numbers, it just didn't add up. Following on this theme then, point number two, so the second figure that I believe you need to know is your profit margins. And I know you kind of jumped from the big grand plan of how I'm going to make some money out of this business, the big commercial question of where are we going to make some money and take that money out of the business and improve our lives. Going all the way from that, jumping straight back then to the thing that it all really does come down to is the profit margins for marketing. So lots of clients we work with, and I'm not going to name and shame any specific businesses, but lots of clients we've worked for, one of the questions we always ask, certainly when we're running any PPC activity, pay-per-click, Google Ads, Google Shopping, etc., is we always ask, what is your profit margin? And a lot of clients will then say to us things like, okay, well, our profit margin is 50%. Therefore, every pound that we spend um, on marketing and running the business, we need to generate two pounds back or every dollar we spend, we need $2 back to break even because 50% of all income covers the cost of running the business. The other 50% therefore can be spent on marketing, etc., to break even. But break even isn't very exciting. Breaking even is not what a business should be doing, in my opinion. Make sure you tune in in a few episodes time, because we're going to have Ben Leonard back to talk about exits, so how to grow a Shopify store and sell it and exit that store with loads and loads of money, and the world becomes your oyster. It's what every entrepreneur dreams of. It's why most people start uh, stores. And where, where that becomes quite interesting is there are some scenarios where businesses don't want well, they, it's not they don't want to make a profit, but they don't purely rely on making a day-by-day, month-by-month profit to succeed. There's plenty of businesses out there that they overpay for customers, they overpay in marketing per order to get rid of all the competition, build their database of customers as big as possible. It might be something like a bed, a really expensive high-end mattress, for example. And then when they sell the business, they bump up the value of the business based on the fact that Yes, we've made a loss all these years, but if somebody bought it and started now emailing to some of those customers that are reaching their lifetime or five-year guarantee on their products, they may want a new product or a refresh or an upgrade, which then means it becomes a bit more profitable. So with these margins, I personally prefer the approach of 
let's try and make money while we're growing. Because if you don't sell at the end of it, and you've got this massive loan or uh, investment outstanding somewhere else, and you don't sell it, you're stuck with all that debt. And that is a big problem. So I would always make sure you look at your profit margins. And this is where you need to decide things like the pricing for your products. So if you look at your profit margin, and again, two to one, so 50% of the product's price is the cost of the product is quite normal. So I would always use that as a bit of a measuring stick. If you can get your margins up to sort of 70, 80%, now you can be more competitive on marketing. Or you could say, okay, the cost of product is, I'm going to use these these numbers as examples. If the cost of product was 20 cents and the product sells for $1, then you've got a 80% margin between the cost of the product and selling it. You can then set some targets and say, okay, we'll spend money on Google advertising. And as long as we make a sale for every 30, 40 cents we spend, and we sell one product, and it's very, very unlikely, these are purely hypothetical numbers, but very unlikely to get a conversion cost that low on uh, on Google Google Shopping or Google Text Ads. But the, the philosophy being that if we spend 20 cents of that dollar buying the product in, then we spend another 30 or 40 cents on advertising to sell that product, we say 30, then we've spent 50 cents in total buying the product in and advertising that product out. And then we've made 50 cents profit back in, which then opens up some very, very interesting doors to you. And one of those doors is, well, why don't we spend, instead of spending 30 cents on Google Shopping, why don't we spend 60 cents now and see if that 60 cents generates two sales? And now we spent 60 cents. And then we've also spent another 40 buying two products in. So that's a dollar, but we've made $2 in revenue. So then you're running at what, what I would say as a business, you're running at a 50% profit margin. Very, very difficult to achieve those kind of numbers, of course, both paying 30 cents for a new customer. If they're only spending a dollar, it's not a lot of money at all. Um, and also to have an e-commerce business that's running at 50% margin on new customers can be a bit of a challenge. So these profit margins on your products and on the sales that you generate through the store are incredibly important, as you can probably tell. So the first statistic was to make sure you know how many sales per day, per week, per month you need to generate to make a living from your business. And you can then adapt the approach to what products you offer, et cetera, accordingly. The second one is to work out what are your profit margins every time you sell a product. And these profit margins should then define your targets in advertising and marketing. So then you know what good looks like. You know where the benchmark is to break even and anything above that, any more revenue we generate above that as a percentage is now purely profit, which means we can grow this business. The third statistic then, and this one is a little bit harder for an e-commerce business to understand, well, sorry, not understand, but to generate this figure or to calculate this figure is a little bit more tough. But Shopify makes it quite easy. The figure itself is the lifetime value. And there's a sort of part two to this because it's coupled up nicely to this is the average order value. So lifetime value is how much a customer spends with you over their lifetime. So if you're targeting the over 80-year-olds as a market, as much as I love many, many people around me and my family who are over the age of 80, um, they're not going to be around forever. However, if you're targeting 18, 19-year-olds and doing that effectively, could they become a lifetime customer over the full course of their life? Potentially. 
It doesn't mean everybody listening should now go away and just target the younger market. There's lots of other factors about how much different age groups spend on things, etc. But what the lifetime value statistic should look like within Shopify is if you go into your customer base, you can sort your customers by the total. I mean, you can export them, hashtag GDPR, be careful with all of that and make sure you're using data correctly. But within, within theory, you can have a look in the customer section of your Shopify store and work out what the lifetime value of a customer is, so how much they spend with you over their lifetime. So say your average order value, which is the second statistic in this, say your average order value is uh, $20 per order. And on average, the average customer buys 2.2 times from you. So that's every single customer divided by how many in total orders you've had. So you might have 100 customers, you know, 220 orders. So that means on average, clients buy from you or customers buy from you 2.2 times. And because they buy from you 2.2 times, you can also, going back to the previous point about the profit margins, you can also factor that into your marketing. So you could then say, we're quite happy to break even on the first sale. So if our profit margins are two to one, as long as we get $2 back for every one we spend, we break even, but we've got customers on our database that we can email. And most of them will come back and buy at least 1.2 more times. And then we'll make profit that way. And again, it means you can have higher click costs and be a bit more competitive on advertising. So again, lifetime value is really, really important. And what I love about all of the statistics we've been through so far, and I hope you're noticing in the way that I'm talking about them, every single statistic opens up a door. It opens up an opportunity. Or if you read the data correctly, it then says, okay, all, so again, our sunglasses business, all the customers only bought from us once. Why? because we only had one product. And every time somebody buys a pair of sunglasses, generally speaking, people like to go for a new look, a new design, a new style. And we can't really change that, or it was not worth our time and investment to try and change that buying behavior. So what we did instead is we said, well, look, we can't change that. Why don't we start offering another product? And that's the bit that we didn't do, but should have done at the time. So again, looking at lifetime value, if all of your customers have only bought from you once, then you've got a problem and you've got a big problem because if they buy from you three or four times, more often than not, and we're talking like a sort of 90, 95% of the time, when they make their second, third, fourth, fifth, or whatever additional purchase after the first one, they often either come straight to your website to do it, which means you haven't paid for any marketing to bring them back, or they do it via an email and email is incredibly cheap. You can actually run your own email campaigns using free tools that are linked into Shopify. Therefore, it becomes much, much more profitable. So that's the lifetime value bit. The average order value bit as well, I think is really, really important. If you break down, possibly using Google Analytics to do this, if you break down average order value by traffic channel, so by PPC, SEO, social, etc., which ones have the most profitable average order values? And when I say profitable, I mean the highest. So is there anything then you can do on your website to influence average order value? Well, of course there is. So you could start to bring in things like when somebody is going into the checkout, it recommends any associated accessories to that product. So on our sunglasses store, you might find a pair of sunglasses that are $20. You put them in the cart and it would then say, would you like to buy a bamboo wooden case for these sunglasses, which cost an extra $10? 
Or would you like to add a small bag to put them in, a small sunglasses bag? And the bag also cleans the glasses while they're in there because it's microfiber material. Yes, I would. That just costs $2. Well, if, if we boosted every single order by $2 on average or $10 on average with a case or $12 for the case and the bag, you see how we can start to boost average order value. It's still the same customer. We still spent the same amount generating that customer sale in advertising. So we still spent the same amount of money to get them in. But the higher the average order value, the more money we make, which again is really, really important to a growing business. Point number four, and I'm not, again, a little disclaimer, I'm not the best person to be talking about this, but I do know it's important. And I also get sent the number to factor in when we are running reports for our clients to say, how much money have we generated through any advertising or any SEO that we're doing? And the fourth statistic is your return rate. So what percentage of orders do you send out that get returned and you then have to refund them? And most importantly, and this is a statistic that's not spoken about much at all in regards to returns, is the return cost. So if most of your returns are sent back to you, and there may be legal reasons in certain territories or countries, you know, a customer's rights to cancel or customer's automatic rights for a 30-day guarantee, you know, for a full refund, all that sort of stuff. If they send that product back, how much does it cost you in people time to process that return? And also how much does it cost you in product if those returns that are getting sent back to you cannot be resold? Because if they can't be resold, for example, if the products arrive damaged, you can't resell that product. It's damaged. It's probably going to go in the bin, but you do have to provide a refund. So you've lost a product. So whatever you've paid for that product is now lost. You've refunded the customer and there might be some transaction fees of a dollar or two to both take the payment initially and then refund it. You may have had to pay for postage to get that product back to, to the customer in the first place and then back to you afterwards. You may have had to pay postage on that. And then you also have paid for advertising and marketing and generally running your business and paying everybody's salaries for that customer to have been able to buy in the first place. So returns can be incredibly expensive. Now, I'm not saying don't offer returns. I think you absolutely should. A lot of businesses have then offered free returns and made it a big you know, sort of slogan on their website, a big USP. We offer free returns. If you're not happy, just send it back. You know, we'll give you a full money back guarantee. No questions asked. If you're not happy, you can have it back. And lots of businesses we've worked with have been very, very nervous and scared to offer free returns and certainly to make a big song and dance about it. When they've done it, though, they found that returns have gone up, you know, 0.5, maybe 1%. So hardly anything at all. But actually, sales have gone up quite significantly because customers now have peace of mind. You generally find a lot of customers are not that interested in returning products. There are some exclusions to that. So one of our clients in particular where we had to factor this into our figures when we were advertising. They sold they had hundreds of thousands of different dresses on the website and 25% of all products, not orders, but products were returned. So what they found was happening is people were ordering three or four products, trying them all on at home, keeping one or two of them and sending the other two or three back, which wasn't necessarily a problem because they still sold one or two of the products in that order. So we're still making profit out of those. But we had, so it wasn't quite 25% of profit. It was 25% of orders resulted in some sort of return, but it might only be a partial return. So again, factoring that into your marketing is really important. 
the problem with all of these statistics, and we've got one more to go through in a sec, but the problem with all these statistics is that if you get them wrong, so not problem, but challenge, if you get these statistics wrong in the early days and your store starts to scale, you are scaling a problem. And at some point, that problem is going to catch up with you. And you'll be sitting there thinking, we've got twice as much revenue. Our cost per sale for marketing has gone down and we haven't doubled our staff base. So our costs haven't gone up in double. Where's all our money? And then a financial advisor or accountant might start to look through all your figures and say, do you know what? You were never actually making profit. You weren't because you hadn't factored in these costs over here. So again, making this work on a micro level when you're really, really small is much, much easier than trying to fix it when you're big. So sort these things out when you're small, and then you can start to start to scale the business a bit more comfortably, which again is why Ben was massively advocating last week, get an accountant in early to run the numbers, help you get some targets and understand some of these figures here. It may be that you need to run the business as a side project for a year before you've got enough data to really understand, okay, this is the target. We're going for that. When we reach that, I'm quitting my job. I'm going full-time on my Shopify business and everything starts to fall into place. So again, get these statistics right early. The last one is incredibly relevant because at the time of recording this, I'm currently marching around my office with the air conditioning on because it's absolutely baking outside here in the UK at the moment. Um, We're having a heat wave. And anybody who's ever had a phone call with myself or anybody from the UK will know that we are absolutely obsessed with the weather. There's also been a thing this year called COVID, which I'm sure everybody is aware of. Absolutely no doubt on that. Um, And coronavirus has swept uh, swept the world by storm and it shut the world down. And my, so my fifth point along all of these things is what external factors affect your business? And when I say external, I mean things that you cannot control. And to list a few of these things, coronavirus, the weather, and I'll give some examples of these in a sec, but coronavirus, the weather, economy changes, customer shopping behavior changes, technology. So when mobile suddenly existed and people started clicking on their phones, Lots of businesses failed to adapt. They didn't build mobile websites. They didn't keep up with the times. They just sort of stayed in their little shop and didn't realize why less and less customers were coming into their physical shop on the high streets. And of obvious reason being that it didn't offer as a convenient experience as going on a website. So again, there's all these different external factors. So talking about the weather, we were selling sunglasses. Guess what happened when it rained or it was cold? We didn't make many sales. Guess what happened when the sun came out? We were swamped and we can't control that. So if we were to have continued running that business, we would have to have factored that into our plans. And you've probably noticed all of my points today generally point at make as much money as you can with as little investment in advertising and everything else as you possibly can, because then you've got more profit to play with. And profit, in my opinion, is liberating. It's the thing that means, ah, we can buy that. We can do this. We can do this. We can keep growing the business. But again, you've got to have a tight grasp on it because it can very quickly go the other way. But these external factors, coronavirus, we've seen a massive rise in my business in companies approaching us saying, we are a wholesale company. We sell to shops, physical shops, or some of them are food and beverage companies. They sell to supermarkets, cafes, hotels, etc. And they've lost all of that income. So they've come to us and said, Before we run out of cash without all of those customers buying wholesale from us, we want to launch our website or we want to invest all of our current remaining cash in our website 
So we can sell things digitally direct to customer. DTC, we say in the UK, direct to consumer. We want to start selling direct because we cannot sell via wholesale because nobody's going to cafes and nobody's going to restaurants anymore. And therein lies the challenge. Another good example of this as well is using the sun as another example. And when it's raining, what do you think happens to the phone at a company that repair roofs or repair sheds or provide damp proofing equipment or come and damp proof your house? What do you think also happens to companies that provide materials for the trade, for building extensions or changing a house or building houses, etc., or building summer houses or gardening companies? As soon as the weather changes, suddenly people are not buying these services. And it sounds quite obvious, but on the ground, it's incredibly serious. May 2021 in the UK has been incredibly cold and incredibly wet. It's currently just into June now, and it's incredibly hot. So the digital world has had this enormous switch from we've made hardly any money on summery, sunny type services or things that are impacted that way by the weather. And suddenly now it's sunny. All of the rain related or cold related products have stopped selling. And all the summer stuff is selling like absolute wildfire. So again, that's an example of how the external factors can affect your business. So some of those things will be quite obvious. Some of them won't be. So what you might want to do to make sure you maximize profit in your business is you might want to make changes based on what happens in these external factors. Another really interesting example, just quickly before we finish today, another really classic example of this is the economy. So the more confidence there is in the economy, the more people are buying luxury items and the more people are investing money because there's confidence that where you're investing it, or the items you're buying that are expensive and purely luxury, you've got the money to, to buy these things. When the economy's not looking so good, and it's called confidence in economics, when confidence is low and people are thinking, oh, the country's got no money, I might lose my job soon, which all happened at the beginning of coronavirus, all of these different factors can then play a part in what's happening digitally online, so people buying products. A really, really good tool that I recommend everybody has a look at as a bit of homework at the end of this episode, is Google Trends, T-R-E-N-D-S, Google Trends. It's free to use. You can just go straight on there. I don't think you even need to log into a Google account. Might be wrong on that. But Google Trends, you can type in any word or phrase you want. So you could type in sunglasses and then have a look at throughout the year how much the popularity of my products change. And you'll probably find that even things like uh, handbags and dresses, for example, the different types of handbags and dresses change throughout the year. Something that we found fascinating for a client years ago was that prom dresses were super popular, not during prom season. There was still significant traffic, but the traffic was half in May, June, July, which is traditionally prom season in UK, US, etc. Traffic was still high, but it was only half what it was in January, would you believe? So actually, people were doing their window shopping online on Google in January, and then actually purchasing by sort of Feb, March time. And the reason we found this out is one of our clients called us up one day and said, our traffic and revenue this week has plummeted in the women's section of our website. Why has this happened? And we had a quick look and somebody had renamed the prom dresses category. They had renamed it winter or uh, spring dresses. Logical change to make, but wasn't based on the data. And when we noticed that that was the page that had lost all of its traffic, we then went on Google Trends. We checked some other tools we've got to see the keyword data across the year and realized what was going on with prom dresses. 
obviously it's really, really bad for the client. The only good news is I've had that as a story to share about how external factors that are out of your control, but there's data to provide, you can harness that and use it to your advantage. So that particular client then had an internal policy of, we wrote down a list of all the categories on their website, all the collections on Shopify Plus. Do not ever change the names of these. These are locked. Nobody is allowed to change the names of those. And we even set up something in one of our tools to flag to us if somebody had tampered with the name or the mess description or the H1 on the page, just because we did not want those pages changing whatsoever. So we wrote a little script to keep an eye on them. So again, external factors. To summarize the list of the five figures I believe you absolutely need to know, there's probably a lot more, but I thought we'll keep it to five today. The first one is how many sales per day, per week, per year, per month, whatever. Again, I put that in a very strange order, so apologies. How many sales you need to make on an ongoing basis to earn a living from the business? Second thing, profit margins. So you can set your marketing properly and you know you're going to make money from the products that you sell. The third thing, your lifetime value and average order value per customer and how you can influence those things to make both of them as high as you possibly can. Fourth thing, return rates and most importantly, the cost of returns. How much do returns cost your business? And then factor that into all of the first three points. And then the fourth thing as well, make sure that you start to get some good data on what external things, external factors affect your business. So when this happens, we make more money. When this happens, we make less money. And then you can adjust your marketing, adjust your approach, etc. accordingly. It's been great having you all with us today. I thank you so much for listening. It is very, very humbling at the moment when we see all of the statistics in terms of how many people are tuning in. I hope this has been really, really useful for you. Again, feel free to hit the subscribe button, check out the Facebook group. We're going to be back next Friday. Um, and next Friday, I've got a very, very special guest who runs a Shopify store. And we're going to be going into some of the theoretical things that Ben and I have been talking about the last couple of days. We're going into some specifics with that specific store. So make sure you tune in next week. Again, it's been great having you with us and we hope you're staying safe. We'll be back again next Friday. Sign up for free for the Shopify approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time. <laughs>